Hang on, bring it back, bring it back. She's so beautiful. Famous, come on. DIY or Die is recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We would like to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Hello, welcome to DIY or Die, the podcast where Shelley and I discuss art, politics, society, gender, music, have I said music, and everything to do with DIY. This is our fourth episode and today we are joined with a very special guest monica hello i'm monica and what are your pronouns monica they them i'm shelly my pronouns are she her i'm amber my pronouns are they them nice today we're going to talk about art and patronage and paying artists while they're alive and not paying dead artists because they're dead Mm. and they don't need no money Because they're dead. Because they're dead. And I'm an artist. And let me tell you, I need some fucking money, bitch. Bitch? (laughs) Bitch? Bitch? So like Amber said, we're going to be talking about the history of patronage. Patronage. So back in the day, like, it's probably, you're probably aware of heaps of, like, stories of patronage, but, like, they're not that talked about. But, like, you know, the Sistine Chapel, for instance, that was paid for by the church. So the church was the patron of Michelangelo. Like commission. Yeah. yeah. Michelangelo. Basically, I did a bit of research and basically like the idea of like rich and famous and wealthy. Oh, we got a Vincent. We're recording at Mon's house and they have two amazing cats. And hopefully we got a meow from Artemisia before, so hopefully Vincent will scream. <gasps> he screamed. Basically like the idea of like rich and famous people and wealthy people and even the church sort of it would be sort of like they would put the artists on their it's like being sponsored yeah it's like a sponsorship and for a lot of them they would commission art (laughs) vincent's playing with the microphone (laughs) for a lot of them they would commission art but for others they would just be like here's some money you're an artist i like so i'll support you while you do art so like i did a bit of research and apparently one of the earliest patrons of art was in Mesopotamia, like in Sumeria, back in the, like, BC times. I didn't write a date because I'm stupid. But uh, there was apparently a ruler called Gadia, and he commissioned artists to make statues of himself so they could, like, be put in temples. So that would be, like, a more of a, I guess, religious or, like, propaganda reason to sponsor an artist to have be a patron of the arts. And, like, an era that we're really familiar with with is the Renaissance. And, like, there was heaps of patronage going on there. Like, for example, like, a lot of people would know about the Medici Medici family and Michelangelo and the Savoza family and Leonardo da Vinci. And, like I said, the Sistine Chapel, like, the church hired him to do that. And apparently he really hated it. (laughs) That's what I've heard. That's true. And, like, in even, like, music, like, Mozart had, like, many, many patrons over the years. Like, more, like, the 
more notable one would be Joseph II, who was a brother to Marie Antoinette. And other composers we know of are like Tchaikovsky, Haydn, Wagner, and Puccini, Beethoven as well. And like basically the point I'm trying to make is that like for most of history up until like really recently, there's been this system where like rich and wealthy and like famous people hire artists either for like propaganda as a signifier of wealth and class, like, oh look at the artist, you know, art I have on my roster, you know, for religious reasons or like tax reasons, but it doesn't really happen anymore. And why I thought this was interesting was because, like, I've definitely seen, like, a lot online, like, artists, like, you've done it briefly before, and Amber, you use Kofi or whatever mm -hmm. it's called. But, um, so everyone is like, oh, this is such a weird idea, like, you just want people to pay you to make art, like, that's so weird. But what most people don't realise is that that was the standard operating procedure mm -hmm. up until really modern times, and... Like, because there's so many more people now with access to, like, education and arts and supplies and, like, people can read and write, you know, now that there's so many more artists. And with the web and everything like that, it's a lot more easier to get art and con to consume art and often, like, really cheaply made art. So people don't see it as a luxury anymore. Hmm. But, like, it still really is a luxury. So many people ripping off other artists. Yeah. Shops like... Piper and Cotton yeah. On and stuff do that with just like and like H&M and stuff too I oh my off. god yeah H&M steals so much from artists and then just go well you know try and fight us in court you've got no money we yeah. have billions yeah I, did you recently hear about I can't remember who it was but basically Hillsong oh, yeah Hillsong yeah. took that imagery from this one artist I'm really sorry I can't remember their name hang on wait I'll look it up I, uh, I remember reading about that and it was so fucked but yeah like this particular artist had done so much work and then Hillsong had contacted them asking if they could do a commission and then they never paid them. Mm. They, yeah, so, just took it so, and made it their own. Yeah, so her name is Esther Olsen. And basically, yeah, what happened was that the art director emailed her asking to work together for, like, the album art for, like, mm. some new song compilations thing that Hillsong's putting out. And they said, oh, we really like your visual style because, like, a lot of her imagery has, like, lions and suns, which is, like, very much Hillsong. And, yeah. like, even, like, biblically, like, that sort of aesthetic. And, like, apparently it just didn't work out or something like that. But, yeah. um, yeah, and then, like, months later they released, like, these t-shirts and these albums and stuff with, like, basically, like, rip-offs of her artwork and her art style. Yeah. And... Yeah, she was in this massive battle with them, and I'm not sure of the outcome, so. But yeah, what do you think, Monica? Yeah, I just think it's really ridiculously ridiculous. It's not yeah. even a word. But yeah, like, these people work so hard. We work so hard to make our own art and come up with our own ideas, and art Style isn't yeah and... it's not it doesn't just come out of nowhere it's from a part of our soul that we dig up we work from our own like experiences our own, yeah our experiences our own like heartache our, our own torture and we make these things and then for someone a big company let alone a church to come mm. and be like oh i'm gonna take this and i'm not gonna give you any of the money from it and just rip you off not and... gonna acknowledge that like yeah. i did rip you off even though it's like clear i did it exactly and then my problem, like, I know, I'm not going to say that all religion is dumb, but, like, my problem with the church is that they, you know, they force people's, their opinion down other people's throats, and they do stuff like this, and then they're like, oh, and we're still good. make it's a like, lot of money off of it, too. Yeah, exactly. If you really are believing in this and believing that 
there is a higher power there that is going to be helping people than or like why even you money judging you for your earthly mm. like actions then you should be judged for stealing artists <laughs> art. <Work>. yeah <laughs> and yeah I've even seen, like, people online, like, on Tumblr and Twitter, like, artists doing commissions, mm. and, like, a lot of them will, like, you know, vastly undercharge for their commission work, like, mm. if you think about it per hour, mm. you know, and, like, I'm it's sure... It's supposed to be $50 per hour. Yeah, because you have to buy the materials, and, like, you have to work no, really that's hard. that's work, $50 per hour per work, not mm. including materials. the materials. Mm. And, like, yeah, like... No way will people pay that. No. Yeah. so much. And, like, even if you think about it as minimum wage, which is, like, I don't know, like, 19 or $20 in Australia, obviously a lot of artists, they s- even say to themselves, like, I know I'm undercharging, but, like, I have to make money. Yeah, um, I'm doing a commission thing at the moment where all A4 commissions are $40, and it's basically like, hey, I can't help, I need to help my cat because pets are expensive, mm. so I'm just doing whatever I can. And then I had someone, before I was doing this, I had someone ask me, and I'm going to keep it anonymous because... You know, yeah. But um, they messaged me being like, oh, can I have an, you know, an A3, what was it? Yeah, an A3 oil painting for like 50 bucks. Oh. I'm like, look, like that's $50 isn't even going to cover me buying the paint. Yeah. And like, particularly with oils, like yeah. it's really expensive. Like, And I was just kind of like, no, like I value myself and my art more than that. I just, yeah, I think that a lot of people underestimate that, they're like, oh, it's just a hobby. It's just something you do. It's like, no, this is not just a hobby. This is a passion for us. This yeah. is this is our livelihood. If we couldn't make art, if we couldn't do these things, then we wouldn't be the people that we are. Exactly. Like for me, my job is just it just it's just something for the money. And my passion. My yeah, my mm. passion is art. Like that's what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. And yeah, I remember people from like my old life, which is just like high school and stuff, being like, no. I remember one of my advisors were like you know, art is not going to make you a career. You're never going to do that. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I love it. Mm. Just because I don't want to be going and working for the church doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. I went to a religious school. Heads up. Yeah. And I definitely feel like people, like that one person who com- tried to commission that piece for you, is like they don't see it as yeah a luxury service. They don't see it as like a time investment, all the time we spent learning about it, the mm. materials, like the fact that there's a skill and they're like soliciting a skill that they can't do yeah. it's like you wouldn't go to a mechanic and they're like okay well you know it, the parts cost fifty dollars and the service we charge you know a hundred dollars an hour per labor you would never go what that's ridiculous blah exactly. blah blah i could do this for cheaper blah 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 why the blah, 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 you know and it just comes down to that like people putting standards on things and not putting enough emphasis and importance on art and, and the think- arts in general. yeah exactly yeah. and just thinking oh well like you know it's not a real job mm. it's like fuck you and your dumb suits or whatever you want to be. <laughs> like, just because I, we dress differently, we are still doing the things that we love. Mm. So Amber hates people in suits. I do. They always hit on me in the city. Always. And they always say dumb shit. Like? Mm. Like, oh, the weather. <laughs> Sunny. What's a girl like you doing out on a day like this where it's all sunny? <laughs> Or some shit that doesn't even make any sense. We're all buttheads. I actually, I had a guy in a suit come into me at work once. I work in a bookstore, disclosure. And yeah, they were just like looking down on me and treating me like shit because I was a retail worker. Oh, this is also in the middle of summer. So I was wearing like a flowy dress and sandals and I was so comfy just like reading a book at work. <laughs> oh. And 
Yeah, they just like all sweaty and come into my job and they were just like, oh, you're just a retail worker. And I'm like, well, you know, I get Thanks, paid. Thanks, love. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah, I'm like, I get paid to sit down and read all day and I enjoy my job. How was sitting in an office yeah. looking, punching numbers into a computer while you're wearing this <laughs> stuffy suit on 42 degrees. Bitch! Yeah, I would hate to wear a suit all the time. I always oh. think that about people in suits. I'm no, like, it's like so hot, so restrictive I too. Know. And when I wear, even when I wear my blazer and I try and like lift up to get a book, I'm like, I can't move. Yeah. Okay. On the topic of patronage, I know that in the book Orlando by Virginia Woolf, um, Orlando invites a poet to his house because at the time he's a man, and um, because Orlando wants to be a poet. Hmm. And so he invites a poet to his house. And the poet's, like, really mean to him because he doesn't like Orlando's poetry because he doesn't think it's good. And then he's like... Because Orlando's super, super rich. Like, he's like a lord. And then, like, the poet's like, you know, I could really use a pension Mm. of 300 bucks. A week? A quarter Uh. or something. And, um, you know, and I could look at your stuff and I could tell you what I think. And mm. then I can write the best to my ability because, oh, I've got a sore back. And, <laughs> oh, I've got all these Problems. children mm. and all this shit. So, like, before I can, like, help you, I need some money. Yeah. So Orlando's like, okay, you can have it. And then the guy's like, your poetry sucks. Ah! And then Orlando's like, I still pay. He still paid the... That's good. The pension. Mm. But then just that concept of, like ultra rich people paying artists artists to work mm. bring that back yeah yes come Hashtag. on ultra rich people yeah i'll put up with your business suits if you pay me 300 dollars a week hell yeah i just want to like camp out in front of the one of the big buildings and just start painting on their <laughs> wheel walls and stuff and just be like yeah you can pay me now you know paint on their suits yeah <laughs> you painted a jacket of kevin's right yeah i painted one of his denim jackets and Niwa, who's from A Cold Cloth and a new to newbie named band. Yeah. Um, RL Civil and... Pout. Pout. Oh, yeah, there we Pout. go. I was going to say Soft Goth. I'm like, nope. That's, that's the name th- of the album. Yep. <laughs> but you should definitely check them out. Yeah, do it. RL Civil is on Spotify. Support your local artists. Yeah. Artists of all kinds. Hmm. Hmm. Actually, on that topic, um, when I was in Paris, I saw this really cool tote. This guy was walking around with it and it said, pay living artists dead artists don't need the money and mm. i guess that's what amber said at the start yeah. but i just wanted to like that's throw true. that in there and like yeah i think it's really funny how like it seems as soon as like an artist dies they get really popular yeah true little peep amber i peep. was a, i love little peep little peep was a prophet little peep died before his time i miss little peep every day i think i'm like literally heartbroken over little peep and i won't ever be the same person that i was mm. When Little Peep died, he went from like sort of obscure twelve k followers to two million followers. Mm. That's true. He's de- that's messed up, man. Yeah. Those people, you don't really love him like I love him. I don't think anyone loves Little Peep like you love Little Peep. I love Little Peep so much. I miss him so much. That's true. I never had. I've never heard of him before. Mm. I, and then everyone was talking about. It. I was like, oh my god, this is yeah. so sad. But like when he died, yeah. I was messed up so same like, with Eurydice Dixon yeah it's so true yeah. so many people were affected by that let's That's... talk about the guy who vandalised oh her memorial oh. did you read the article I did did I you see so... why he did it yeah. because he's like feminism a is a cancer and vaccines something about vaccines oh, yeah. and apparently he was 
trying to be a comedian too, but the comedian community shunned him because he has anti-vaxxer and a Scientologist. Because you're a fucking asshole. And he was like, oh, I did it because feminism is a cancer, not because I disrespect her. It's like, okay, a woman was raped and murdered, and right next to where she died, you drew a giant dick. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, it has, like... So many connotations. Yeah. That literally... Is a symbol of, like, the violence that she... Also, it doesn't say anything, like, anything about anything no, like, political or no, anything. Yeah. It's not like... That's what 12-year-old oh, boys blah, blah, blah. do when yeah, they Yeah, it's so immature. And it's fucking pathetic. That guy and he a... was 31, too. Yeah. Like, I like think... if it was, like, a 13-year-old, yeah. he could be like, oh, yeah, well... He doesn't really idiot. understand the full ramifications of, like... But a 31-year-old man, get, the f- get your fucking shit together and I'm going to beat the shit out of you with a lead pipe. Okay, cool. What is that? There's this one, like, tweet that's, like... I'm going to find it. Okay, so I found it. Okay. <clears throat> this is a tweet. This is a quote. Men who are raised to suppress emotion. End quote. Bitch, you are 34. Go to a fucking therapist and learn to be a functioning adult the fuck. Which I strongly support. Yes, 100%. I very much agree with that. Also, there are a bunch of memes going around with men, like, like leaning on women and being like oh, I don't need to go to a therapist or something. And it was, like, some meme. I can't even describe it properly yeah. because, yeah, but it was, like, men and what how they view women as their personal therapist yeah. and stuff. And it's like, no, oh, my God, there's no, there's no thing. And the stigma about around therapy yeah, and, and like, just go to a fucking therapist. I feel like what a lot of, like, men's rights activists, like, don't realise is that, like, like, feminism as a, like, movement, they don't want men to, like, grow up in a world where they have to suppress emotion exactly. and they feel like they can't cry and stuff. Like, that's one of the goals of feminism is, like, you know, mm. peace between men and women, you know, exactly. and, like... My sister is very pro-men expressing their emotions. Yeah. yeah, and, like, I feel like most feminists are, like... I am. If you're because... a proper feminist and, and you're an intersectional feminist... Yeah then yeah, that's the whole point. It's to make and everyone be treated equally. But yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's like, they think that, oh, feminism is they just... They don't care about men. Yeah, you're all man-hating. It's like, no, yeah, that's misandry. It's like, get your things right, because that's completely wrong. And, like, in a world where the only uh, emotion that men are told is safe to express is anger, mm. like, that's really scary for, like, women and, like, non-men. Like, oh my god, yeah. You know? I saw a car accident the other day, and... This man in his big four-wheel drive hit this old lady in her little, like... Mirage or something. Yeah, like, mm. his tiny little car. And she had her, all of her back of the car was, like, crumpled. crumbled in and destroyed. And then he just, like, gets out of the car. And it was probably, like, 6 a.m. or something. And he just, like, huffs back to the car. And he was, like, so annoyed that he had to stop on his way to work. And I'm just like, Jesus, if a guy walked up to me in his car and he was all angry and everything like that... And he like crumpled that, your car. Yeah, I'd be fucking terrified. Yeah. Like... And I have been. I've been followed by men to my car from a train station at nine o'clock at night, mm. and I've been sexually harassed and sexually assaulted. And it's, and you know, I've had people attack me on Facebook, being like, "Oh, you just you're a feminist that hates all men." And it's like, if I hate you and you're a man, and I'm I'm having a discussion with you about feminism, it's because you've done something wrong. Mm. Like I'm not. I don't walk around. I'm like, oh, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like a fucking pisshead who's sitting here and listening to this and being like, oh, oh, you're just a feminist that hates all men, then go and fucking read a yeah. book. 
I wore this t-shirt to work once that said feminism and it was like a definition and it said the equality of all sexes mm. and um some yeah of course some man comes in a up suit. Yep, in a fucking suit, comes up to me and he's just like, oh, feminism, oh, you're one of those girls. And I was just like, not a girl, that's not what feminism means. And I just wanted to, like, I work in a bookstore, I just want to throw all the books that we have about feminism about them, they're like, read a fucking book! I'm really getting into this. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. My therapist, Vicky, was like, would you consider yourself a feminist? And I said, yes. And And then I was like, yeah, but I hate, I hate men. And she was like, do you even hate Michael? And I was like, inherently, yes. <laughs> like, fundamentally, yes, I hate, I hate all men because they grew up with a privilege that w- we did it. Mm. That's another thing I don't think they really get as well. Michael you know? really didn't get it at the start, but I think he gets it now. Mm. Also, he had, like, this major superiority about alcoholism. Mm. And I'm like, it's an addiction, it's a disease, you know? And he'd be like, no, you just don't drink. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go drink now. Bye. But that was, like, when you first started dating. Yeah. Yeah, six years ago. It made ago. me feel really yeah. bad about myself. Like, I couldn't, like, be open. Yeah. And like, the stigma. That's so strange. Mm. That's true. Rober sharing and stigma. That's true, it does. Anyway. <laughs> Bitch! Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> go listen to my new single, Don't Stab Me. Don't Stab Me is a really good song. It's like... Oh, it, like, can you talk about... Oh, sorry, I'm, I, don't, fine, I don't yeah. own this podcast. I'm just a guest, but also, Shelley, can you please tell us about how you released Don't Stab Me to be in with um, everything that's happening with Eurydice Dixon and how where the money's going? Um, But basically, what, what? yeah, we, like, I wrote this song months and months ago because Amber was coming home from the train station and there was this guy. Do you want to say it? Yeah, okay. Hmm. So I was having a really nice day. I went to the movies by myself. I went to The Sun and I saw that three billboards movie. Mm. And then I went to the bookshop next to The Sun. It's a really nice bookshop. And I got a book. And then I was I went to Yarraville Station and I um, found a milk crate on the way there, which was good because I was going, I started to do, I was going to do an uh, art installation with all these milk crates. So I was looking on the lookout for milk crates. So I had a milk crate. And then I went to a home to a and uh, please don't stalk me. Yes. I went to an unidentified train station. <laughs> In the West. <laughs> so I get off and I was going to walk home because it was a really, really, really nice day. Like, it was summer. I was wearing a dress and everything. So it was really nice days. And it was really weird because, like, it's near, like, a swamp. Mm. And so you go down the st- I went down all the steps and, like, there's this, like, it's underpass? Over the, yeah, yeah. It's like an underpass because it's over like a highway, like a serious highway. It's like, boom, boom, Yeah, boom. it's really scary. So, like, you get over there and, like, I come down and there was this guy on a bike under the underpass, under the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that guy's being a freak. So I was like, walk across the road, started walking to my house. And he started following me. And I was like, he's going really slow. Does he want to get past me? Mm, so which I isn't was normal. Like, yeah. So I was like trying to, like, I was going, like, Going to the other side. To the other side, like, try to get out of his way. But then he was, like, full on, like, following me, like, really close. And he's getting closer and closer. And I was like, why is he getting so close? Can I just go around me? Like, obviously, I'm not going to go any faster. Because mm. I was carrying this milk crate. And I had, like, my book in the book that I bought from the sun and everything in my purse and stuff through a milk crate. 
So I was going to look at and I kept walking along. And then he, like, started going really fast. And he banged into me, banged into the back of my legs there. Mm, like in spot? your Achilles tendon. Yeah. So I had a thingy back there. So, oh, that? Yeah. Oh, damn. And um, he banged into me really hard. And I was wearing docks, too. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're banging into me. And I was like, I got really frightened. Mm. And then I turned around and I piffed the milk cr- crate at him. And I sort of, like, hit him in the, in the head. He was wearing a bike helmet. And then he sort of, like, fell off and got back on and then biked, biked away, like, the opposite direction. Like, he yeah. wasn't even trying to get he past me. You. Yeah. And it broke the milk crate, which sucked because... You needed that milk crate. I needed that milk crate, man. So, that was all happening. And Kevin and Michael and I were having practice away shit. Yeah. And, like, you called Michael and you were all up, like... I was super upset because yeah, I didn't know whether I was going to call the cops mm. yeah. or crime stoppers. So yeah. I was like, do I call Grime Stoppers? Because I saw something suspicious. Yeah. And I broke my milk crate. I was bummed. That was, you're probably most upset about that. <laughs> I think so. My leg was like bleeding. Yeah. And then I just saw it, and Michael's like, blah, blah, blah. And then I just walked home. And that but was yeah, it. but we got. There's nothing you can do. I was no. just like, nothing you can but do. But we got that call in the middle of practice, and we were like already working on this new song, but it didn't have lyrics. So like yeah, I put out like a thing on Facebook that was like, what of all the like, what's all the shit things that people have said to you on public transport? And so, like, that's a song, and it's just, like, about experiencing that, like, what you experience, like, sexual harassment and just general harassment on public transport. And then, so we recorded that in, like, January. And then we, yeah, like, basically, like, when I yeah, heard Yeah, January about, was summer, it was nice, and now it's winter, and it sucks. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that, too. That's my two things. I hate winter because it's too cold, and I get too cold. And my other thing is, I love little peep. Mm. That's it. That's all you need to know about me. And then we heard about, like, Eurydice Dixon. Mm. And, like, I don't know about you guys, but I was, like, really personally affected by that. Mm. And then, like, a couple of days before, there was, like, another woman who lived in Sydney. And, like, they suspect her housemate, like, killed her and dumped her body in the bush somewhere. Oh, and that poor little girl who got put in a barrel or something recently and people were more interested in the guy than they were about that girl and she wasn't even in her 20s she was still in her teens or something it was fucking messed up yeah so all this was happening and then we wanted to put the song out because i felt like it contributed to the like like you have to understand that like when this happened like i was crying every day like i don't cry that much anymore because of the meds i'm on but I was, like, crying every day. I was so upset. Like, I felt it like she was my own, like, sister. Yeah, so, like, I just had the thought, like, I wanted to put it out because it is, like, sort of an angry song and it's just, like, sort of empowering, but it's also, like, what, like, all of these small things that happen, all of the, like, harassment and the smaller things, it all, like, leads to an escalation of violence against, like, women and non-men perpetrated by men. And, like, if we don't start talking about these little, you know, they're not little things, but they're not, you know, the pinnacle. Just, it's fucking, it was just fucking weird. And then I was just like, can't call the cops because it's just like, eh. Yeah. yeah what are you going to do? They're not going to do anything. And I don't know where that guy is. And it's just, that shit happens. Yeah. And it shouldn't happen. It's fucking weird. It's fucking And also, yeah, the, the song is named after something else that happened to you, Amber, which was like some guy was trying to stab you on a V-line. Yes. That was fucking messed up, too. Yeah. Do you want to hear that story? Yeah. Say right. that story. I know the this story, but it's a good uni. story. I was at uni. I was at uni, and um, so and we were coming, coming back from... I went to uni in Ballarat, and so it was like 
on a Friday, so all the school kids were going home from Ballarat because there's like a boarding school in Ballarat. Mm-hmm. So we're on the V line. So there's like heaps of school kids, and there's me, and like there was this, and this couple got on, and they were like screaming the entire time. They were sitting behind you. And they were sitting behind me. And um, she was saying stuff like, I'm bleeding down my leg because you punched me, and I'm having a miscarriage. And he's like, I have a knife right now. I'm going to stab the girl in front of me. And it was me. Yep. And he's like, I'm pushing the knife into the back of the chair right now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is this guy going to stab me or what the fuck is happening? Mm. All through there were screaming. Everyone was dead silent because they were freaking out. Yeah. Like, they didn't know what to do. We were hoping that the driver would do, do yeah. something. And they got off at Bland, which is the stop after Ballarat. And I was like, if, if they don't get off here, I'm getting the fuck off. Yeah. I don't care. I'm getting the fuck off because this is really fucking freaking me out. I was so terrified. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't want to say anything to him. Yeah, because you don't want to, like, trigger Yeah, and I didn't want to, like, get up because I didn't want anything to happen. Yeah. We were just, like, basically fucking frozen. Yeah. And we were all, like, dead silent, like, this whole thing. And they were just screaming as if the driver didn't hear. Yeah. And then, so they got off at Belen, thank God. And then everyone's like, to the driver, what the fuck? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I didn't hear you. That's total crap. Yeah. Because V-Lines totally are really bullshit. small. Yeah, like, th- it was yeah. a coach. Yeah. It wasn't a train. Oh, it was a coach. Yeah. As if. Oh, my God. And so I got to Bacchus Marsh and I got off because my mum picked me up for Bacchus Marsh and I told her what happened. She got so mad. She rang up V-Line the next day and had a go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like they were like to her, oh, the guy didn't hear. He said he didn't hear. And she's like, that's great, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> go, Belinda. So it was just a V-Line bus? Yeah. yeah. The coaches, yeah. I thought it was the train. Same. I was just like, oh, I my God. That's up. Like, it was really fucked because you can't get off on the coach. Yeah. If it was a train, you could get up and move and go to another carriage, yeah. but it's a coach. And there was someone sitting next to me, and I was on the window seat. I couldn't <sighs> move, and I was oh so scared God. that I was going to get stabbed. And then all the little kids, after they got off, they're like, Oh, were you scared? And I was like, Fuck yes, you couldn't have done that. You little kids, grown adults around, you couldn't have done something. The yeah. guy was like, Gonna kill you. Saying that he was going to stab yeah. me. And the woman next to me, what she was screaming about was true. Yeah, that's She was like terrifying. having a miscarriage or something. She was just sitting there. It was bizarre. Mm. I get weird shit on the train all the time. You really do. And that one time at the hospital. Oh, uh, yeah. I was at the hospital. <laughs> Peter Mack, the cancer hospital. And I was sitting there and this guy come over and he was like, oh, what's a girl like you doing inside on a day like this? It's always Again. a girl. And always yeah. a weather. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, one, I'm not a girl. And if you perceive me as a girl, I'd be a woman, not a girl. Mm. But I'm I'm genderless. But you're also like an it's adult. Yeah, human. exactly. <laughs> they really talk down to you. Yeah. And uh, I turned around and I went, my dad's dying of cancer. And that got rid of that fucker real That's fast. so funny. I still think about how funny that is. <laughs> he was like, yunk. Like five. Nice. We wanted to Amber and I wanted to interview Monica Lauren, the famous artist at Baby Mon on Instagram. Because I think Mon is an amazing artist. Incredible artist. Yeah. One of the most talented artists That's I've true. ever met. Same. And uh, I've ever seen. And it's like crazy that we're all friends now. But yeah, I true, I agree with that. And yeah. Like seeing their work in person. It's, it's an experience, yeah. Mm. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so wholesome. It's true. And nice. I can't believe we're all friends now. Yeah, I know. I love being friends with super talented people. I love being like our little community. Yeah, really I really have to you guys. Aww. I'm just like, just like, yeah, with like 
all of us, like you and Kevy and Michael and you, Amber and me and like Naomi and Niwa. It's like our mm. little. Everyone's so talented. And it all in different ways. And yeah. We all just kind of come together. Yeah. You get each other. Hello, Mon. Hello. How do you define art? Um, How do you, as an artist, define art? I think art is everything. Um, I read this really beautiful quote when I was like, Lord knows how old. Um, but it was by Helena Bottom Carter. And it was something like, art is everything. Art is how you take your coffee. Art is the way you get up and go to work art is the way you do your hair it's just I feel like everything in life is art and it is like I have a tattoo on my rib cage mm. yeah I was gonna say chest one nope um but yeah so it says life is art from that quote it was like my second tattoo when I was young and young um but yeah like I just think that everything Every, like the way that like spring comes and then the, the, everything blooms and it's all colourful and the way the, the colours change and you can just feel it in the air and yeah. What is your philosophy in life? I have one. What's yours? Yeah, what's yours? Um, I took philosophy at uni. I really like um Albert Camus' philosophy mm. which is um that life is inherently meaningless and that we as humans have to seek out the meaning ourselves and create meaning and create meaning yeah exactly that's what i think it's not like satra who's like life is literally meaningless and nothing matters and we're all dying i really like kimmy i like um the outsider the outsider is a really good book what is your philosophy i'm not just gonna be like ditto it's like when i read the question i was just like oh fuck i don't no, never really thought about it. Hmm. Like, I mean, the answer for me, the first response, you'd say that art is the meaning of life. Yeah, like, I think that would, yeah, definitely be it. Like, finding art and just following art through everything. Hmm. Like, finding beauty in everything, even terrible situations or terrible things. Just trying to find something good in it to make it, like, I don't know, like, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Not necessarily, but, like, if you think that there is, then you'll look for something good and hmm. then find something good. I don't know. I feel like that's a nice way to have a philosophy for life. Hmm. What's your philosophy in art? I'm super into philosophy questions, apparently. If you tell me yours, then I'll, like, say ditto. It's DIY, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think... It's our ethos. Like, not to Shelley. answer for you, but also, like, you you said before, like, you started art as, like, a mindfulness practice. Yeah. And, like, a way to help you out, like, and sort of like a type of therapy. Yeah. I also, like support local artists definitely mm. if uh, support your friends art all my friends are so talented and i want to buy all their art and i do and it's incredible and i love it mm. there's nothing that makes me happier than being in my room and looking up oh there's the thing michael had commissioned for my birthday from mon that's Flinders Street Station. It's incredible. I love mm. looking at it. Shelly, I have so much of Shelly's heart in my room. I just give it to you though. So I'm like, can I have this? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, it makes me so happy. Art makes me happy. Yeah. Mm. I think art is what makes life worth living. And I think that it really helps. It is a form of therapy. Like, mm. I read in this book that you writing stuff, like, releases trauma. Like, mm. you write about your traumatic events. It will help you. And, like, my zine, Fully Sick 4, that helped me release a lot of my mm. pent-up shit. Yeah. And I got a lot of shit. Got a lot of shit. 
sort it out. Yeah, after I did that. So my philosophy about art is that it's healing. Hmm. What's yours? Mine? I feel like with music and with art, it's like, I just can't not do it. Oh, also that it has to be fun. Yeah, that's like my philosophy is that like, even, you know, how you get like in a writer's block or like an artist's block or whatever, but like, I'm always doing something like crochet or like Mm. writing songs or like performing or, you know, paintings or drawings. It's like, it's just something that I couldn't imagine my life without. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And, like, I've only really started thinking about my artist, myself as an artist in, like, the last, like, eight months. Yeah. You know, like, I would never have described myself like an artist. Like, I was as a musician, yeah, but, you know, not as an artist. And I definitely think, yeah, that sort of is what helped me come to think, oh, I am an artist because, like, I'm always creating art, mm. you know, in many different forms. When I found it as an outlet for emotions and trauma, I was like, this is the best thing ever. Mm. What about you, Mom? Like, I kind of feel like the same way, like, yeah, as you were saying, Shelley, like, everything, like, I'm, that I'm doing, and, like, same to the certain crime question, like, everything is art for me. Like, I don't know what it is, I feel like the word philosophy always just stumps me. Yeah, same. And I'm just like, because it reminds you of old white guys. Yeah, totally. there's a cave. Therefore, hit her, hurt her too, such as. There's no women involved in my philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Making penis gestures. Jack off motions. <laughs> That's it. So, Mon. Yes. Who do you, what is your biggest, like, artistic influences? And in the same question, like, who are your favourite artists? Of course, my lovely friends. Um, in the sense that Shelley has really, like, opened my eyes to a lot of, like, watercolours and stuff. Like, no, don't look at me. Shelley's looking at me with this weird face. But it's, like, true. Like, I... I used to use watercolors, but not really a lot. And then after seeing the things that you'd started making, I was like, wow, actually, I can think I've got, I can work from this. And like, you know, like as artists, we bounce each other's That's ideas. True. And then from Amber, like I was always like, I want to make a zine. And then I've made so many and just left them. And a lot of, uh, like I've dedicated my new zine to you because like. Amber's uh, as inspiration. It is true. <laughs> You're like, I like that. We should put on a crown. Um, <laughs> Oh, Vincent's making noise and noise. So handsome. But, um, yeah, like, I never would have thought about it like that. And the same with the whole end the stigma thing. And, like, it is such a thing. It, it Like, it has to be done. And I I was one of those people who were like, oh, I can't talk about my depression. I can't talk about how I feel because people don't want to hear that. People. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to talk about it, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent's trying to shut us down. <laughs> Hi. You look handsome. I think what you did at um, Amber's art exhibition was, like, really powerful and, like, really yeah, amazing. Your poem. Oh, that, that was, was so, so scary. <laughs> uh, I really love that. I wrote a poem that I wrote. Read, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at Amber's Embracing Student Art exhibition. Mm. And it just kind of talks about, like, well, first figuring out that I have mental health problems and sexual assault and how I'm dealing with it and yeah and it was Just, terrifying. I think you told me. Oi. Sorry, the cat. I think yeah you were t- telling me like it's stuff you've never really talked about before, yeah. like even to people close to you, like mm. really. So I think it's yeah. It's hard because you don't want them to feel bad. It's mm. like I feel this way, but it's not because of you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah, I feel like that's like one of my biggest things is I'm like, I feel like shit, but then people are like, you can talk to me. And then I'm like, yeah, but when I'm like, I start talking to you and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just going to bring you down. I yeah. don't want to. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the whole thing of them being like, oh, it's okay. Pat on the back. And like, ah, this isn't doing anything. I feel like that's a lot of like yours and I conversations, Amber. It's like, we're just both like, I feel like shit. I feel like shit. But like, <laughs> even just like, we talk, we tell each other like all sorts of shit, like, you know, and even though, like, we can't, like, there's not a lot we can really do to help each other. Like, mm. you know, really. Mm. It's, you feel better at you do. talking about it. Especially yeah. to people who understand, like, yeah, we, not, we don't have the exact same things, but, like, just the fact that we do have things in common and, like, we have a very similar understanding of the world and mm. similar, like, values and stuff. I feel experience. Like, mm. you, within, like... Besides, like, the obvious, like, my mum and Kevin, like, you guys are the first friends that I've actually been able to talk about this stuff openly with and not be like, Ugh. oh, God, they're judging me. <laughs> hey, I wanted to kill myself last night. Oh, no, I don't want to hear that. That's such yeah. a downer. And you guys are just like, dude, you're right. Yeah. Like, and it's like, thank you. Amber's always like to me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, don't. Amber's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I was in high school and then I, um, the bad thing happened to me this bad thing happened to me all my mm. friends were like you've changed oh, it's like, like as a massive anymore. trauma like it's the bad thing it, it was the worst mm. yeah and they're like you've changed I don't want to hang out with you anymore fuck that that's so fucked up but I feel totally comfortable with releasing my zines and being like totally open with my mental illness mm. Mm. gotta talk about it that's true and same when we went out for our tea day and we went to um Momo? Kate Spade. Oh, yeah. Yes! And Kate Spade. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, Kate like, Spade, rest in unfortunately, Kate Spade. has died. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you were saying to me, it's like if we were talking about it and that if mental health was more talked about and hey, and feeling like this and the stigma was ended and you could just be like, I don't feel great right now, yeah. then potentially we would be saving so many more lives because they could feel like they people would have someone to t- or people yeah. to talk to and turn to in these situations rather than just feeling like they have to bottle it up and then it gets so overwhelming that this well, feels like an only option and the thing is like if you go to if you try and check yourself into hospital because you feel like you might kill yourself i feel like i've just heard from so many people the most they can do is put you on a 72 hour psych hold yeah. or like a 24 hour psych hold and they just put you in the ward and it might not even be like a psych ward it might just be like a general ward that they put you in and they just watch you for 24 hours and they're like okay bye yeah and that's it yeah and, or they recommend you to a, a psychologist service, yeah or something. but then you might have to wait for like two weeks you know so i feel like there really needs to be like mental health first aid mm. like that's something that bigger organizations are doing now but you can do like you would do a first aid certificate you know you can do a mental health first aid certificate and it's like that idea of like the first responder. Yeah. You know, like what can we do? Like, you know, how do we stop the bleeding? This reminds me of the other day, not the other day, the other week when I was like fully suicidal. Yeah, you weren't having. And um, I went to the doctors and everything, and they were like, "Okay, we're gonna call the hospital to have you like committed." No, checked out. Okay. Mm. <laughs> the thing about me is like I get really, really bad, and I'm like, I'm gonna kill myself. My mum never, like, calls anyone, and I think it's because she doesn't want me committed. Yeah. See, like, for me, like, being committed is, like, one of my number one fears. Yeah, like, they're really, being really... Away with no agency. They and... don't want me taken away. They're, I think that's what they're afraid of. Mm. And mm. so, like, the nurse come in this room, and she's like, I'm going to call the hospital. They call the hospital. No fucking answer. Yeah. They left a message. No reply for days. Jeez. 
That was that number I had in my phone to be like, if you're going to kill yourself, this is the number you called. No fucking answer. Far out. Yeah. And then you're trying to get in with a psychiatrist and it took you like an extra week to see. Oh, he was sick. Yeah. Which I mean like. And then he was like, he didn't even talk to me. It was just like, why are you dissatisfied with your life? Type, 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 type. Here's some more fucking pills for your anger problem, which, by the way, I probably wouldn't be yelling at you if you weren't annoying. Yeah, well, if you were, he was giving you, like, the attention that you deserve. No, well, I'm not dissatisfied with my life. I'm dissatisfied with the way my brain works. Yeah. Mm. My mood swings are terrible. Um, I was actually talking about this with Penny, my friend from work, and how... If you call up and you're like, I can't come to work, I have the flu, people are like, yeah, cool, whatever, stay home, we don't want you to get sick. But if I called up, and I know this happened a lot, and I'm not even, I don't even care, I'm going to call it out, with my old manager, Katie, she'd be like, that's not a fucking excuse, you have to be at work. And I'm like, I'm going to kill myself, like, Mm. I need to be at home, I need to get on top of this. She'd be like, no, not not good enough. And, like, there is such a thing around that, it's like, people don't understand that mental health days are just as important as taking sick days, like... If not more important, because yeah, I totally agree, this yeah. is like, and I'm gesturing towards my head, like your health and your mental health and your mind, that is like what it, it does everything. Like, I just, yeah, it really bothers me when people are like, oh, uh, taking a day off because you don't feel, you don't feel happy is not the same as having the flu. It's like, no, it's worse. Yeah, true. Like, um,. I made this I made this drawing. I drew this drawing as a reaction to the recent celebrity suicides where it says high functioning depression. No one cares until you literally kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. Cuz the media, there's so much media and society cuz people they don't understand unless they've experienced it. Yeah. You know? mm. They literally don't get it until they're like you kill yourself and then like, oh, it was so sad. It's still like, like why did they kill themselves? We could have done it so like much. They had a perfect life. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we could have helped them so much. It's like, why don't you fucking do it? Because if they did come out and say, I have depression, people on the internet would be like, oh, they're fucking lazy. Yeah, it's like, they're, they're just, so rich. Why do they why think they yeah. have problems? Yeah, exactly. They're just saying it for publicity. And it's like, no. Yeah. And even me, I'm no one fucking special and I'm like I'm fucking depressed and people are just like get over it yeah. have you tried some yoga drink some chamomile I get messages all the time it's like have you tried this and I'm like are you sleeping properly are you like, kidding me I, I sleep, sleep unless I take my medication mental health <laughs> issues. that's my favourite oh, who are your favourite artists Mon ah yes um, so yeah so some of my favourite artists are Vincent Van Gogh Rita Carlo. I recently discovered Pia Fries when mm. I was in France, and I love her work. It's amazing. And there was a video when we were at the Modern Art Museum there. And it was really, really beautiful just to watch. There was a beautiful video installation of Pia Fries' work and how she makes and creates, and I thought that was really, really lovely. Um, someone else. I know I, I, this is like the thing. It's people like, what's your favorite book? And you just forget everything you've yeah, read. Yeah, read. And I'm like, I know I have all these artists I love. And I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But, um, Artemisia Gentile. Gentilemissi? Yep, that one. I love, I love her work. And another reason that I named my daughter after her. Um, yes, my daughter is my cat. Don't question my parenthood, please. 
And my son, Vincent, of course. I recently started reading a book about Beryl Bainbridge, and it's really good so far. Mm, I started reading it too, because you gave me a copy. Yes, all three of us have a copy of it. It's really great. But yeah. Do you know any non-binary artists? No. That's a thing. That's a thing, yeah. It's true. I suppose, like, in history, it's hard, because like, know, they would have they not would've. had a concept of... Exactly. Yeah. I feel so bad for, like, trans people from, like, yeah. way back, who are, like, I feel so... Weird. Yeah. There's just like, and the, the thing as well is like, not a lot of exposure for it. Like, I remember you were saying something to me the other day, being like, you think being a female artist is hard, try being a non binary artist. Or you made a post about it. Or yeah. Something. And I was it's like, a tweet. <laughs> I really pop on Twitter. You should follow me. Yes. But I was reading this book. It's a great book, but it's, it was so man, woman, man, woman. And I'm mm. like, Oh, is that the one that you were talking to? Yeah, I was really into this book, but it was so man, woman, man, woman. I was like, well, I exist too. Mm. The only um, non-binary artist I know is Evelyn Ida Morris. That's true. How have you developed your career? Mm. Because you're quite popular. Well, I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't say, like, popular. I would. (laughs) Uh, I just feel weird. Um, I feel like the Famous. only ever popular thing I had for my art was when I had my octopus painted on my car, and then I was working, walking back from walk, work at the train station, and someone's like a little kid was like, "Mom, that's the person with the octopus car," and I was just like, "Oh my god, that's me!" Anyway, but yeah, um, like I've been creating art since I was mom far out, like as long as I can remember. Mm. Like I used to make paper dolls. And because I wanted to have a Jessie doll, like from Toy Story, mm. but like they were super expensive and I couldn't get one. So I made one out of paper and then mm. I used the Barbie truck that I had at my dad's house that I got from like a secondhand shop or a garage sale or something, which was like sick. And I put the dolls in there and that was like the, like the Barbie, you know how the horses have horse car things? What are they called? Trailers? Yeah. Horse, a horse float. It was that. And I made my own version of that with like... <laughs> Paper a Macca's cup tray holder <laughs> and paper, and it was the best. Anyway, and then I like we my dad's a sign writer, or he used to be, so he'd always like do that stuff, and he'd always have texters, so I draw at his house a lot. And like I always like loved art, and it wasn't until like I was fifteen or fourteen, and I had an art class at school, and this is also a reason that Vincent Van Gogh is one of my favorite artists. I opened a magazine in this class, which I never really thought of art as a career before this. And there, like, in the middle of... In the magazine was, like, the Starry Night. He, one of his paintings, just, like, high, glossy print. And I was like, whoa. And I was just transfixed for the whole 45-minute period. And, like, just staring at it. And then from then I just learnt everything that I could about him and his mm. art. And that you can be an artist and it can be a thing. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then went to the classes every week and started putting everything into it and working all the time. And... I mean, you know, made some shit drawings, but that's what you do. Yeah, true. <laughs> and then I f- did my year 11 and 12 with an art as one of my... VCE? VCE. Oh, my God. VCE subjects, and I did a folio subject for that, and it was just, like, out of all my other subjects, I didn't give a shit about it except for art. Mm. <laughs> and to this day, uh, the only teacher I still keep in contact with is Mrs. Stratford, my art teacher, and she's amazing probably the only good teacher at my school because they're all like fucking religious and scary then i went to uni and did art for my first year i just realized it wasn't for me at uni it just wasn't the perfect environment it was very much like 
no structured classes and stuff like that. And also I couldn't afford to be there, mm. which is fun. And but I reckon since I left uni, I've done so much more work and I've done more exhibitions than I ever would have done in there. Like, I just, I feel like I've come so much more further on my own, studying mm. on my own, saving up and traveling so that I could see this for myself and teaching myself through books and through museums and through, yeah, traveling and culture than I would have learned in a, in a building mm. paying how much money to the government. <laughs> Not even yeah. the government, private institutions. Yeah. Uh, what role does the artist have in society? <gasps> Harry boy. We as artists, I think that we contribute, that we can kind of show our, how we're feeling and our emotions and like the things that are going on in our head through our art, whereas people who aren't creative can. I mean, everyone's creative though, so I won't take that back. But like, in their different way, yeah, everyone's creative in a different way. But like, rather than I know that when I can't speak about something, I know that I can paint about it. I can show how I'm feeling through that, and yeah. So the role of the artist is to express the emotions other people can't. Yeah. And to help them connect connect yeah like yeah. i know that i know people who go to exhibitions and galleries and be like wow i really connect with this and they yeah don't paint like, they this don't is draw. making me feel something yeah. i didn't know i could yeah that's true i think that's true i think that's right like i took my mum to see van gogh when he was at the ngv and like my mom's like oh we also saw david Hockney when he did when he was at the ngv too mm. i like taking my mum to art shows and um She's not an art person, but she had a really good time. Mm. Like, it impacted her. Art impacts people. Exactly. And I think that's what it's supposed to do. It's meant to make people go, whoa. Yeah. What themes do you pursue in your own work? Um, in my work, I work a lot with bodies, female bodies. I've done a, lot, a little bit with male bodies, but I usually work from my own images. So, you know, non-binary bodies. Um... I do a lot of like self-love and the non-stereotypical, I guess, what you'd call it. Art, um, portraits. Um, I started doing this thing, like, I guess, nostalgic places. Like, I did a bunch of paintings of, like, one's my backyard. And it just, like, feels really, like, when I get, I get really, like, lots of memories when I look at it and stuff. And then a few other paintings from places I've been. So, like, these just yeah places and yeah i'm delving into some sculpture work so no, i really like the sculpture you did of with the pill packets yeah i'm really proud of that i didn't think it'd come out as good as it did it really good. yeah what is your favorite artwork that you've made um my favorite artwork that i made would be the purple and blue and orange and pink body on craft paper um it's probably my favorite because like it was totally not at all meant to come out or work properly. It was just like a test. Yeah, I remember being here when you started that. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, well, let's see how this works. Because it's like acrylic paint on craft paper. Like, But like, I really think it like the texture really adds something to yeah. it. Yeah. And then the colours and everything. And the, I just feel like there's a lot of emotion in it. And I didn't use... This was like the first painting that I ever did that I didn't use a model for. Like, I just did freehand, started drawing a body from my personal memory. I think it's really like... Yeah. Mm. Did you 
you put it on cardboard? Yeah, like I glued it to cardboard for. We're looking at it right now. Yeah, it's in my bedroom. It's famous. My favorite one of yours is the self-portrait that you recently did with the flowers. Epilim. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh yes, that, I forgot about that one. I yeah. love anything to do with medication. I'm <laughs> really big on incorporating medication motifs into. Mm. I think I it's a thought. huge thing, and it is like. I feel like I've become good. It's just easier to talk about, like, the more yeah, you Yeah, exactly. The more, yeah, most definitely. I really love the one with the paper flowers that you did. Because mm-hmm. you're... Oh, okay, fun story time. That Those paper flowers, they are from Shelley, from mm-hmm. that painting. And it was, like, when I found out that I had BPD, that Shelley brought these flowers around and left them in my studio for me. And they never died. Like, like you know, they're paper yeah. flowers, so they always, like... Eventually, they will probably turn to dust, just like all of us, but, uh... But, like, I think that's kind of beautiful about it, and it kind of gave me... That's Shelley's philosophy. Mm. Why live life will turn to dust eventually. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said everything will turn to dust eventually. It's imperfect. We're everything. all paper flowers. Nice. What is your favourite artwork of all time ever? Oh. I couldn't answer this. Yeah, I I used to say that a starry night. Like, because that sort of started your journey. Yeah, and that's like the thing. And when I saw it in real life, I cried and I stood in front of it at MoMA in New York for like two and a half hours or something. And the security guard comes, he's like, are you going to move? Because other people really? want to... Yeah. He's just like, uh, ma'am, are you going to move? Because other people will need to look. And I was just like... No! And crying, and my face went everywhere. Your face went everywhere. Yeah, I don't know why. I did makeup before I went to this. That was a dumb idea, because, like, the day you before, do. when I went to the Met and I saw his work, for the first time I cried as well. But, um, yeah, and it was just a really beautiful moment, and I you know could, that... It was a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, like, I know that a lot of people are like, Vincent Van Gogh, Starry Night! And I don't know why I'm getting freaked out about this now, but, like, because it's so popular, but... You feel like it's sort of, like... Oh. It loses its special... Yeah, I feel like it a little bit loses its specialty, but, like, I don't know, I guess if you had the memories attached to it that I yeah, do, exactly. then you wouldn't... No, yeah. I think it's totally fine to, like, popular, popular art, and yeah. I think that people who make you feel bad for that... They're assholes. It's like when you mm-hmm. like you read a book and they're like, oh, you like that book? It's like, yeah. It's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's probably a reason why it's popular. Yeah. It's like with the MoMA exhibition on now and they have all that. At the end, you mean? Yeah. With uh, all the um, the advertising has that Lichtenstein. And then I heard someone being like, oh, Lichtenstein. So posse. I know. And I was yeah. like, but that's an interesting artwork. Yeah. It would have been more powerful. It was made by a woman, a woman yeah. because of the content. <laughs> But it is cool to see. I saw a Rothko. And I really love Klimt. I ascended. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love Klimt. I have this like calendar that's like from 2015, but I saw it at Savers. I was like, ooh, because it's like really long. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so like again, like it would be more powerful as made by a woman who was a lesbian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just the way he depicts women, it's like not like a lot of them are nude, but it doesn't feel like as male gazy yeah Yeah, it's and like you like puts like all this gold around them and like the imagery just like yeah and it's very evident like because when i saw it in real life i was just like wow it's just it's luminous and yeah and it's it it just like draws you in it's so beautiful yeah and like obviously he had a lot of like love for his subjects and Mm. like not yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem as porny as other male artists like fucking oh, yeah. Picasso. Oh, we hate Picasso. We do. Picasso, Picasso. stick. Um, is the artistic life lonely? I feel like it can be, but 
Yeah, like, I guess it, that also kind of just depends with, like... Who you know. Yeah. I definitely feel like, yeah, like, I would have never, like... I would have never made zines without Amber being like, yeah. oh, look, I'm making zines. Like, I definitely feel like knowing you has made me feel like I could be an artist. Mm. So, like, I never really had a stretch. I guess, like, as a musician, I had a stretch before, like, I had a band. Yeah. And I definitely feel like, for me, like, being in a band, it just, yeah, and, like, having all of us and, like, we all bounce each off each other, yeah. like, our creativity, like, flows. When we work together, like, yeah. in the same room, we're all doing art. And even nice. if we're not, like, it just knowing together. that, like, we're all friends and like we have a group chat called art babes yeah and it's just like a good place that we can share yeah like and art and to- over just life and stuff and talk and it's a good positive environment we could be like bounce 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 yeah and like when the night of my exhibition and we're all up there it's just really nice yeah. man yeah. when we're really installing nice and that was so yeah. lovely <laughs> and you see everybody's work i think that non-artist perceptions of an artist life is that artists are lonely but mm-hmm. it's it's no. not true i mean i definitely think it can be yeah. there are times if you like... haven't found like your people yeah. yeah and i just think i'm really lucky to have like sort of started my artistic journey mm. like because of other people yeah you know like it's not like i was doing it alone and then sometimes you just need people who art as well artists themselves to talk to and be like i need your honest brutal opinion mm. rather than like wow this is really good you're so talented although i think that anyway <laughs> but you know what i mean like, yeah. like having someone be like oh the depth you use of this painting or blah blah blah, blah yeah. you know like or you know i love what you've done here and it's very it's full of emotion it's like thank yeah. you like that's what i needed that's to hear more not of like, a, this like, is really good yeah mm. more of a helpful feedback yeah and that's that's what you need sometimes someone who can also be from that perspective that you're from mm. but yeah I think that I was always an artist. I just needed an outlet. Mm. And I found that in zines. Is a life exclusive to pleasure, no suffering, worthwhile? It's so hard to say because, like, yeah. I wouldn't be the person I am without, without all suffering. the things I've gone through. So, like, I I think life would be worth living, but I'd just be such a different person. Yeah, exactly. That I, I, like, I'm not her. Like, does suffering, like, make you do better art? I think that's the perception. I feel yeah. like for me, with music, the experiences I've had, like when I'm trying to write songs, like if I've had specific experiences, and like, not like just bad experiences, but like particularly emotional experiences, like things that have really stood out to me, and like, it just so happens that I've had more bad experiences than good that yeah. are like that sort of emotional depth, like, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's where I definitely draw music from. I don't think I draw art as much from there. I draw art from, like, nature and beauty and stuff. Mm. But with music, I definitely feel like I tap into deep emotional experiences. Yeah. And it just so happens that a lot of them are traumatic and from suffering. Like, I think that there are... Like, I don't I don't want to be like, oh, um, you have to suffer to make art because you don't. But, like, I yeah, feel like... Yeah, that's true. Because people are like, when your mental illness, illness is cured then you won't have anything to do art about. Do art yeah. about. And I'm like, I would love my mental illness mm. is cured. Inherently, I am an artist. I'm a Pisces. Mm. I was born to be an artist. That's true. Mm. Like, I know that I have days when I come home from work. Like, I work 8.30 to 1 p.m., like, just a small shift. And I'm so... It's still, like, you have to get up and, like, Yeah. And I'm just, like, exhausted and mentally exhausted. And I'm just, like, oh, I feel shit. I had a shit day. and I have to lay down. Yeah. And I, I had, like, the day before, I'm like, I'm going to come home at 1. I'm going to make art because it's, like... 
I don't have to work until like three o'clock the next day and I'm just gonna work all night and then I come home and I just sit in bed and cry and eat ice cream or just like Watch literally TV. yeah or just stare at the wall and then I'm just like what do you do but yeah so I feel like when people say that oh you have to be sad and then that's when you paint they're like no you can really be like yeah, and it in doesn't, fact, it can, like... There are some times when it's like, oh, I'm going to take this suffering and I'm going to put it into something beautiful and turn it into something mm. beautiful. But there are also times when you're like, no, that I can't... That feels like such a hurdle yeah. sometimes, though. If, like... I, if I feel shit and I'm like, no, I have to make art and I force myself, I literally sit in, at my desk and I just... Yeah. I hate everything that I create and I just make myself feel even worse, so... All my best art has been created when I'm in a good mood. Yeah. Yeah. Like, How... When I did um, Blue Sick 5, I was like, Woo! This is so much mm. fun. I'm in a good mood because of the weather. The weather was sunny and I hate cold weather and it's cold now and I'm mad. And you love Little Peep. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> and I love Little Peep. Um, how do you feel like you, like, I know it's sort of like a weird, but like, how do you feel like you find your muse? Like, how do you feel like. My cat is where, my muse. Where does your creative, like, energy come from? Um, a lot of things come from, like, what I'm feeling. Like, if I mm. feel super. I don't know, like, body positive, I'm just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to paint some more nudes. Yeah. And I just sit in my room and take nudes for a while, and then I hide them on my vault on my phone, and then I paint them, and yeah. then I delete them off my phone, so no one can say. Or I just, like, get a mirror and then do that. Yeah, true. But, yeah, a lot, oh, there's another really beautiful artist on Instagram called Ellie Smallwood, mm. and I, I'm very inspired by her work. It's... A lot of the same thing, like, she does a lot of bodies and faces and portraits and stuff as well, and I, I'm, like... If I ever tour to <laughs> show my art to someone that I was like, oh my god, I want your mm. art opinion, I would be your like, artistic opinion. Yeah, I'd be like, ah, ah, here's my art. I love you because your art's amazing and I think you're very talented. Please teach me everything you know. That would be her. Mm. But yeah, like, I my my muse, <coughs> uh, like a lot of bodies like i hmm. i used to draw on the train a lot so i'd see like old people and i'd be like i can't wait to draw all your wrinkles because i think they're really interesting hmm. but like bodies i feel like a very beautiful like all bodies and different too, yeah like. exactly and i just i love the like the curve the curvature in bodies and the way that if you sit it's, it looks different and if you stand or if you move and hmm. i'm i'm very inspired by that so if i see someone doing something particularly interesting i'm just like i'm gonna paint this yeah Cool. And, like, so I guess that's sort of a similar question is, like, how do you define beauty? I think beauty is, like, literally everywhere. And it's, like, something that just makes you feel emotional. Something, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think my cat's really beautiful. Mm. Yes. She makes me really happy. I think all cats are beautiful. We could have a cat party. Just get all the cats They together. would hate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll have a cat FaceTime party. Oh, yeah. And, like, that thing when you're, like... Watching your tea change colors, mm. that's really beautiful. Mm. I love it when you put your tea bag in and all the color is at the bottom. And, yeah. and like, and then, yeah, and then, like, then you move the tea bag and it, like, pulls up into the cup. And, like, first sip of tea in the morning and, like, sunsets. Yeah, obviously. I was looking at the sunset out the window just before. It's like, like this tree it. outside. Yeah. Um, another thing I really like as well um, with watercolors. You get it in like a see-through glass container, and then you put the paint oh, on yeah. the brush, and, and you it go, like, and it just like, in. oh, it's so beautiful. I could just watch it all day, just like. Oh, mm. and Bob Grass is beautiful. Mm. That's true. Artists that me and Shelley specifically like, but you can, yeah. So, yeah, I don't have that. Because we've already talked to. 
We've already asked you, Mon. Yeah. <laughs> Mon, get out of your room. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I like, yeah, I've been reading the Beryl Bainbridge book. Mm, say that five times fast. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. And I like her art. Like, I think it's really interesting. Although I do feel like what her daughter was saying about it sort of seems like inherently, like, sexist. Because, like, most yeah. of her women are nude. Mm. And then she draws the men in, like, these army and military uniforms. Like, in yeah. powerful suits and stuff. I was reading that as well. Also, I really don't like what she said to her daughter. I can't remember what she said. About art. She was just like, this isn't good enough. It has oh, to be yeah. like my art. And I was just like... Oh. Yeah, when she was, like, t- teaching her daughter how to do it. She yeah. was like, what are you doing? No, 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 I'll rub this out. And she was like, the paper would become so thin because she would rub out so much. Mm. But um, I do think her art's interesting. And, like, yeah, I never heard about her. I never even read her books. So, and then Amber and I went to the Del Catherine Barton exhibit, like, a little while ago, just before the end of the year last year. And I found that to be, like, yeah, really mm. powerful and moving. And just, like, the magnitude like, the huge scale of the pieces she produces. So beautiful. And the, yeah, just all the different types of figures she paints and the, like, techniques she uses, I think, is really beautiful. And, yeah, my friends, Monica, <laughs> Amber. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Amber? Okay, well, Rothko is my favourite artist. I like George O'Keefe, too. Yeah, I love George O'Keefe. There's, like, something really, like, feminine, but, like... Strong. Textural mm. and like you just want to like live in her paintings. Yeah, mm. they look so luscious and they're so soft. Oh yeah, I, I said Klimt already, but I really mm. love Klimt. Yeah. One of my favorite artists. I really like self portraits by women and non-binary non-men. Fuck mm. men. Yeah, non-men definitely. <laughs> uh, my favorite is I got this book from the library that was called like. Seeing ourselves, women's self-portraits. And mm. I had it out so much, I got a massive fine because I was obsessed with it. I thought it was the best book. So I bought it. And there's this one artist in there called Josephine King. And she is, like, like really amazing and inspiring. Like, she talks about her, like, her arts about her, um, her depression and her breakdowns and her suicide attempts and stuff. She a modern artist? Like I guess. Hmm. That's it's so like cool. very like hmm. accessible but interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very like open and honest, which is exactly how I like my art. I like people being raw in art. Hmm. And they just tell things how it is and I'm like, it's I'm touched by you being so honest. And yeah. I appreciate that and I see how hard it was for you to do that and I like it. I'm obsessed with Rothko. Rothko is my favorite artist. Again, I really agree with everything that he had to say about art. With emotion and everything. And I also like David Hockney. Mm. And I'm reading a book right now about David Hockney. Cool. Because mm. David Hockney is cool. He's like, I'm old, but I use an iPad. Nice. Yeah, David Hockney. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, this is so cool. That's wholesome. Yeah. It really was. He seems like he's... Is cool. I like David Hockney a lot. His art just makes me really happy because it's so colourful. Mm. Also, I love Bob Ross. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Yeah, that's all. So, like, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Wasteyourbankhamp.com. Thanks so much for Mon for joining us. It's uh, really fun. You can find them at. Oh, right. On Instagram, uh, at baby underscore underscore mon. Um, Facebook, it's baby mon, but with two Y's because baby mon was taken. 
And uh, also, Mon runs a really cool Instagram called mm-hmm. Creative Folk Collective. I think we oh, talked yeah. about it last episode. Yeah. But... Which is a collective for um, female and non-binary artists. Yep. Yeah. Non-man. It's an online art gallery. But yeah. Um, also, if you want a commission, hit yeah. me up. <laughs> I need to pay that bills. $40 A4 commissions or whatever medium to the end of the month. Yes. I got one and it's fucking fantastic. So beautiful. Yeah, I was here when you were doing it. It was mm-hmm. touching. Um, I'm running a zine workshop That's true. on the 15th of August at IRL Info Shop. So if you want to come to that uh, Facebook called... event, Amber's Blue Zine Workshop. Yeah. I can't be there, unfortunately, because I have to work. But Sad to hear. But uh, if you want to come down, it's gold calling donation and I'll teach you how to make a zine. It'll be pretty cool. It's pretty chill. Mm. I'm not, I'm not. Prescriptive. Teachery. Yeah. I have terrible anxiety, so I'll be like, it's a piece of paper. Hold it, hold it. Um, so yeah, sick. Yeah. Shelly? You can follow me at Shelly Smith Poetry on Instagram or at Wayship Band on Instagram or Wayship Band on Twitter. What are you working on right now, Shelly? Um, I'm working on a song for Wayship and also I'm working on like a sunset, like from my house in like West Footscray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's. Oh, I just finished a zine, so you can buy that on my Etsy store. That's true. Yes. And your Amber is Blue. Oh, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully, Mon's scene comes out soon. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited for it. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. Yes. Bye. Thank you for having me. The cat's really cute and sniffing the microphone. I love her. It's everything I've ever wanted. I'd die for her. Me too. Bye. 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 I'm really distracted. That hot, that hot. hot. Anyway, bitch!